Greetings and welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirman Dafyomi. My name is Yitzchak Shalom. We're now in Masachat Sukkah Daflamad Zayin Amud Bet. Going to look at the first part of Mishnah Tet of this, the third parak. Heichan Hayuman Na'anainas. The Gemara immediately will uh, will uh, connect for us. This is picking up from the first Mishnah that ended with the Shir of Lulav being three Tfachim plus, as we uh, modified it, enough to shake. So where did they shake? Meaning, at what part in davening did they shake the Lulav? As you see on the handout, Parakuf Yod Chet, which is the last chapter of Tilim included in Hallel, uh, starts and ends with the same pasuk. So you shake at both of those instances. And pasuk Chafei. The second half of that pasuk. He said, I was watching with Gamliel and Rabbi Shua that everybody else was shaking their lovim evidently at more places than this. They only shook at the, at the first half of Pasuk Chafei. Okay, how did Ni'anua get into the Mishnah? So as I mentioned, Hatam Kai, it's picking up from the first Mishnah. So now it says, when do we shake? Tanatam, we have a Mishnah in Menachot, the two loaves and two lambs that come together on Shavuot. What do you do with them? The two loaves go on top of the two lambs. You put your hand underneath that, all four of them, and you lift them up. Which means you go to and fro, up and down. So that gives us those four directions. Why do we do that on Shavuot? We go back and forth to demonstrate that this belongs to the one who all four directions uh, are under his control. And up and down to show that he who, who controls and owns the heavens and earth, this is belongs to him. In Eretz Yisrael, they learned it as follows, meaning that's Rabbi Yochanan from Eretz Yisrael, but that's the way it was understood in Bavel. In Eretz Yisrael, they read it as follows, You go back and forth to stop bad winds that would harm the harvest, because Shavuot's the beginning of the harvest season. And you uh, go up and down to stop uh, bad and dangerous dew that might affect the harvest. So now This is how you know that Shiare Mitzvah, meaning not the essential mitzvah, but a secondary component of the mitzvah itself, if done, can with can uh, can hold off. Um, uh, divine punishment. How do you know? Shari Tnufa, Shari Mitzvahi. The Tnufa of these four things is Shari Mitzvah, and it stops these bad winds, etc. And Rava says the same thing applies to Lulav, of course, on the other end of the season, because now we're getting ready for the winter, and it has to do with bringing the proper rain. He would take the Lulav, and he would grab it and say, Dein Gera this is an arrow in the eye of the Satan. But the Gemara comments, that's not a good idea. You're kind of waking the Satan up and he's going to come after you. Okay, the rest of Mishnah Tet. A guy was traveling and he didn't have a lulav with him. When he gets home, he should shake it on the table, meaning in the middle of his meal. 
We'll see what that reference is. Lo natal shacharit, if he didn't shake in the morning, or pick it up in the morning, he told Ben Abayim he could do so in the afternoon. Shakolayom kasher lulav, as we saw in the Mishnah in Megillah, all day is uh, is available for the mitzvah of lulav. Okay, Amart and Lo in the Mishnah we said, you shake it at your table, lememer devafsik, that indicates that if you're eating and you realize you didn't shake lulav, you stop your meal to shake. Or minu imitchil and mafsikin. Go to the Mishnah in the beginning of Shabbat, Mishnah Bet in Masachet in Parakal of Shabbat, that says that you do not start a meal uh, if you uh, you do not start a meal or all sorts of other things. You haven't yet said mincha, but if you did, you don't have to interrupt your meal. So you don't have to interrupt your meal for lulav. It's very simple. If there's enough time in the day to finish your meal and shake lulav, then you finish your meal. And if not, you stop your meal. Amarava, my kusha. Rava says, I don't understand the question. In other words, maybe when there's a mitzvah, you stop your meal. And when it's the Rabbanan, you don't have to. As the example given there, that mafsikin litfilah, ve'en mafsikin litfilah, ve'en mafsikin litfilah. This is what the problem was. The problem is internal in the Mishnah. Because it says that you have to shake at your table, which means you interrupt your meal. And then it said if you didn't take it in the morning, you could take it in the afternoon. So you don't have to interrupt. And that's where Rav Safra gave the answer. It depends if there's time. If there's time later, then you don't have to stop your meal. If there isn't, then you interrupt. Rabbi Zera then turns and says, I still don't understand that as a question. Maybe it just means that ideally you should stop what you're doing and shake Luav immediately, but if not, you have until the end of the day. We have to go back to our original question. Which is the Ar Mishnah versus the Mishnah on Shabbat? Kashla Hadurayta Darad Rabbanan, and you and you said perhaps Hadurayta Rabbanan Hachabiyom Tov Shini Rabbanan. You can't give that answer because in our uh, case it has to be Yom Tov Shini or later, and that's Lulav de Rabbanan, and still you have to interrupt. Askinen Dekanami. How do I know? Because we're talking about a guy coming back from a travels. He's not doing that on Yom Tov. Must be Cholam you're not allowed to, do, to do, be doing that on Yom Tov, and therefore it must be Chol And therefore, Lulav is Durabanan, and you still have to interrupt. So there we have to go to Rav Safra's answer, which is that if there is no more, not enough time, you have to interrupt your meal, and if there is, you can finish your meal. Okay, the next Mishnah, Mishaya Evan, now we're going purely to Halel. And this is Mishnah Yod, and... Um, <coughs> we'll go into the beginning of Yod Aleph. Mishaya Evan Oisha Ukatan Makrinoto. If you had someone who was not obligated in Halal, a slave, a woman, a minor, reading for you, cueing you in Halal, Onachrin Mashenoin, you have to repeat what they say because they can't say it on your behalf because they're not Chayat. Vetavolo Meira. And by the way, it's a curse on you for not knowing how to how to recite Halal. Having somebody who's uh, in this case your inferior do it for you. If you had an adult reading for you, then just have to say hallelujah after every parak. We'll see more details about that. And then you have fulfilled hallel. There are places where they have the custom of repeating psukim, doubling psukim, as we do, etc. And there's some places where they don't, and either way the minhag is valid, do what the local minhag is. And some of the girsaot is levarech acharav. 
We'll see more about that in the Gemara. But if the place has a minhag to say bracha after halal, which is the common custom now, then you do so. And if not, not. Hakol Just follow the local custom. Okay, Tanar Banan. Pemetamru, halacha is, This is a berchat a son, meaning a minor son, can say berchat for his father, a slave for his master, isham berchat a woman for a husband, which is, then becomes problematic because women should be equally chayavot as as their husbands. The sugyan in brachot and the, some discussion among the Rishonim about why women would be, we might be chayavot the Rabbanan. But still, it's a curse on anybody who needs his children or his wife to say the bracha for him. We have many halachot we can learn from the customs that we have halal, and we'll see six of them. First of all, when he starts halal, he says hallelujah, and they repeat hallelujah. So you see, the ideal is to respond with hallelujah. That's one. So then he starts reading the halal, and he says half a phrase, and they say hallelujah. They don't repeat the words. So you see, if an adult is leading you, uh, then you respond with hallelujah. You don't repeat the words. They repeat that. So you see that you should respond with the beginning of each parak, meaning the the response becomes a repetitive response, but it changes at each parak. Which means we're taking pasuk chafe and cutting it in half. So you see here, it must be a katan reading for you, and you have to repeat the words. You can't say hodu, which is the beginning of that parak. What does that mean? You see that we'll double it up, and here we're doubling it up by splitting the pasuk in half and repeating each half. Here, at, at towards the end, you say and they answer with the second half, so it's an antiphonal call. So you see that if you hear it, it's like you answered, because you heard the first two words, and you answered the second two words, and everybody's Yotze. What if you heard the words and didn't answer Amen or didn't answer Hallelujah? All the Chachabim say, Even if you heard and didn't respond, you're Yotze. How do we know that if you hear a bracha and don't answer, or hear a halal and don't answer, you still yotze? And this is in uh, in Melachim Berchavet when they found the Sefer Torah in Yoshiahu's time, and as a result, they banned all of the Bamot, um, and uh, they said all the words that the king read. Yoshiao didn't read the words. Follow Shafan Kran, Shafan HaSofer, who found, who was given in charge of the book, he's the one who read it. He read it in front of the king. Yoshiao heard it, it's as if he said it. Who says? Maybe he actually read it himself after Shafan read it. I don't think so. Um, that uh, Hashem forgives him because he was uh, repentant when he heard the words. Not when you read them, meaning he didn't read the words, he heard them, and still he's credited in the other pasuk with reading them. You shouldn't say Baruch Haba and then pause. 
You should say it all together. And the reason here seems to be because it sounds like you're saying B'Shem Hashem is an independent statement. Amarava, Rava says a second thing. And then responded to both of these things. Moshe Shapir Kamart. Moshe, you're a Godel Hador. Are you saying properly? You're just trying to finish the words. You're not indicating that you don't mean to bless Hashem or using Hashem's name in vain. But rather, uh, rather that you are just trying to finish the sentence, so it's okay. Okay, the Mishnah said, "Makom shanagulich pol tadarabi kofel badvarim." Rabbi Lazar and Parta Mosif badvarim. What does that mean? My Mosif, my Mosif lichpol me odcha ulamata. In other words, he starts from odcha, and every pasuk then gets doubled, which is our custom. And Rabbi evidently would double a little bit later than that. Okay, levarechi varech. Rabbi Eloshanu el acharav. That when the Mishnah said, "There's a minhag." In some places, and not in other places, say the bracha, that's the bracha after halal. But before halal, you have to say the bracha, not dependent on minhag. For all mitzvot, you have to make the bracha immediately before fulfilling them. How do I know that the word over means right before? When Achimatz wanted to go tell David that Avshalom had died, uh, he ran and he passed the Kushi, which means he went in front of him, who had been originally sent by Yoav to tell him the news. This is when Yaakov passes in front of the camp about to greet Esau. The king will pass in front of them and God is in front. So, Lifnehem is the Vayavor, means that you pass and that's immediately in front and that's how we know Over means immediately before fulfilling. Okay, we're going to pick it up in the next podcast. Uh, with um, the uh, second half of Mishnah Yud Aleph, which will take us into the laws of Shemitah for a podcast and a half. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.